0: Welcome to the Life Leadership Podcast with myself Leela Singh. All things coaching, career and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights and to redefine your success, be that in work, health relationships, and so much more. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Harpreet Singh. Harpreet is a highly accomplished and multifaceted business management professional with over 10 years of success and history in driving rapid business growth and exceeding million-dollar business targets at companies including Amazon, Nestle, Sony, Samsung, and his current employer, Tech Startup. He has a strong background in leadership, stakeholder management, and devising and implementing business growth strategies. Throughout his career, Harpreet has demonstrated the ability to take on bigger challenges, and he strongly believes in working backwards from customer needs and building long-term mutually beneficial relationships with strategic partners. In today's episode, Harpreet shares with us what it takes to transition from a Fortune 500 company to working as a startup and the key differences in experience and exposure between the two. He also shares, with change being a constant, what we can do to effectively adapt. What goes into a product launch and go-to-market strategy, leveraging his own experience from one of the world's largest tech multinationals. He also shares his international exposure and associated challenges and the core skills that he has honed to enable both business growth and his own career acceleration. So let's head over and hear what Harpreet has to say. Harpreet, good afternoon. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: Great for you joining us. Thank you so much. And welcome to life leadership um podcast all about leaders like yourself and how, what you've done in your journey and to share with us you know some of the challenges you've overcome and just some great insights that can benefit our audience so i'll dive straight into the first question i'd like you to share with me what your experience has been going from a global corporate fortune 500 companies that you've worked for to working in a startup so tell me a little bit about that
1: Sure. Um, So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. And I really appreciate that. Um, So I think it's a quite a journey for me, uh, when I see myself transitioning from, you know, global 500 companies to um, a lesser known uh, recent uh, few years startup that I recently joined, uh, two years back, uh, roughly. So it's, I would say it's challenging, but at the same time, uh, you need the right mindset, right? so when you look at large organizations your swim lines are defined and you know what you have to do and you do your job right so that's what one of the key things when you join as a marketing manager you're doing marketing manager for that firm or that you're doing that function and that function entails whatever the goals that you have and you impact that uh, those goals but i think uh, um, the mind shift that was required to you know adapt to a new startup or a smaller team which is less than 20 people uh you know I, I had to do a reset now now i will be responsible for more broader things um though i was taking care of only account management initially when i joined the startup but then the role will we all into how do we expand internationally and uh, how do we grow the business so i think that is what you know is very different than when you when you, join a large organization you get lost in kind of ocean but when you're in a startup your 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 actions are more visible and your impact is high so i think that's that's the difference of what i found between working between the two two uh, you know different setups all together uh, one which like 100000 plus employees and now with 20 or uh, less people so i think that is what really shifted for me um, when i have to look at professionally i had to really you know set my adjustments internally that okay now um, you are responsible for much broader things right you, mm-hmm. you are kind of wearing different hats in any given day um, so that's 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 challenging at the same just challenging but at the same time it's also very engaging because now you know that okay you are picking up new things right so which keeps your mind engaged so that's what I would say that um it's been engaging and a full learning experience for me moving from large corporation to a smaller startup
0: yeah now I can imagine I mean so tell me a little bit there because that's really interesting you know you talked about a couple of things I picked up there actually is much higher visibility much higher impact in a startup broader responsibility whereas you can almost get lost in in a larger like a fortune 500 um as you talk about the swim lanes, so it's just about memories there. Um, you know, you have your responsibility, and that's what you do. You don't necessarily get involved in the bigger picture. It, what you do may not be as impactful. So, tell me, how did you adapt? Uh,
1: so, I think the mind, you, the, mind shift, the mindset shift that is required to adapt is that this is my new role like acceptance is the first thing right mm-hmm. because most of the people don't uh, get that that ha- hey I've worked for large corporation and now this is a smaller setup and sometimes and and, and I think for us uh, for me at least I feel that uh having that change was some somewhere ingrained in me that when I worked for Amazon I worked in different teams um, you know there was a culture of fail fast, do things, do different, try different things. So I I think it got ingrained from there. And even um, while doing other jobs at other uh, fortune 500 companies, I always kept an open mindset that what's there to learn. So I think that eagerness to learn and curiosity uh, to try new things uh, is what has kept me going so far. And that's where I think uh, many people don't see that as a value add but i see a lot of value add because change is the only constant in life because that you don't know what uh, is being thrown at you uh, you know while you are in your journey but if you are able to adapt and execute based on whatever skills you have acquired over time i think that is what um, what has helped me successfully um do various roles change different countries change from you know large corporations to smaller corporations
0: okay that that's really great to understand that so if one of our audience was thinking okay i want to actually transition across what would you say are the maybe two or three kind of key transferable skills that they should be looking to acquire or to hone and develop in order to to create that smooth transition
1: so yeah thank you great question so i think uh, as i said earlier that first thing is acceptance that this role is going to be different right so if the expectation if you are setting the right expectation in your mind and saying that okay this is what i'm going to and this is the new transition and my primary objective is to learn and do things differently so i think that's the very foundational thing that one has to do and then second thing one has to do is make a list of what are the transferable skills I bring to the table so hey I'm good at stakeholder management hey I'm good at relationship management I'm good at uh, you know whatever XYZ your three set of things are and then try to match that to what is expected out of your next role because I think the other thing is that now like for my in a, my and I'll give you my example because I'm now working with the CEO you know uh day in day out mm-hmm. and I'm exposed to various things uh and for example fundraising was never part of my journey anywhere but now I'm helping them fundraise as well so that is the open mindset bringing knowing what your strengths are and what transferable skills you can mm-hmm. adapt to keeping that fungibility in mind you should you should be able to transition to a newer role without without a problem but if you are having a fixed mindset no I have this is what I've done I don't and I'm scared to try new things that is where I think it might not lead to a um, good experience or a fruitful learning experience in my opinion
0: yeah yeah great advice there I will say that Harpreet thank you so tell me then and you kind of alluded to some of this already but what does it really take to handle change and challenge
1: um so again, starting with the same uh, theory that you know the th- change is the only thing that that is going to happen in your life. Like irrespective of wherever you are how successful you are or wherever which are the part of the journey, you are so keeping that in mind really helps right and having and the second part to this is um, having belief in yourself, because most of the time we start doubting ourselves and many people doubt themselves because of the circumstances or whatever, uh, you know, things change around them. So change is only constant and I believe I can do it. If I don't know how to do it, I'll learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the, that if you go with those three kind of principles into a new role, into a new job or wherever you want to go, I think you will sail through. I mean, with flying colors or not, that will depend on various other factors but it will hold it, it will essentially keep you sane
0: yeah yeah and just on the point you said about learning um so learning open to being able to learn new things um I have always been of the view that we, particularly if you start a new job or a new company it's it's fine to ask ask for help ask to understand and so forth what's your view on that?
1: So it's I think uh, you know depending on which organization the culture you have to first understand the culture of the organization right uh, and then adapt right so you need to know what you need to ask for so if there are certain skills that you are expected to learn on your own as an you know professional as an individual you should do that that's part of the adult learning right um, no one will handhold you and get you through the door right. But there are some things where you think, for example, let's, say, let's take an example. So for example, when I came here, um, uh, I, my interaction with developers in my previous organization, software developers was not that much. But now when I'm dealing with developers and they are kind of my internal customers, I need to know what language they speak, what tools they use. And if I'm not setting my, if I'm not asking for help, I'm essentially setting myself for failure, right? So, for if one has to sell, sell himself or herself for success, they or you know he or she should ask for help for what tools are required, right? Obviously, you'll have to learn bit by yourself. You'll have to ask for help, but you sh- should categorize that. Hey, these are the skills that are need. These are the tools I need, and this for these tools I need help. And uh, let's say, for example, someone is transitioning into a a manager role from an IC role, right? So, can they have mentors? Like when I did that, like I did, you know, when I transitioned to people more a people management role, I mentored. uh, I was mentored by someone who was managing like hundred plus employees, right? So that's what that's what few things that those are the few things that you can do to have a you know easy transition
0: yeah yeah and again good advice and and part of the reason i asked it is because i've had people before in conversation who've said to me well um join a new company but i don't want to ask for help because i'd be seen as not knowing or being a bit of a failure and i think uh, my view is that when you go into a new role you want to have a proportion of that role which is new which is going to be a challenge because that's the growth that comes in yep therefore even if it's a similar role to what you did in the previous company this company might do it completely differently. You need to still ask and seek to understand, as you said, to be a success in the role.
1: So you have to view yourself that for for you to be successful, what is required? Mm. And what is doable, like you categorize into different buckets, like say that what is required for me to successful for me to be successful at this role, there are skills that are on me. And then there are tools and skills that are outside so many a times we don't differentiate between the two and we ran, keep randomly asking people that hey can you help me let's say for example draft an email which is which is which is fine in certain circumstances but you don't need to do that right okay. so if you know that hey for an example for my in my example that if i had to learn jira as a product for, for which i have to communicate with software developers and how to write, email, how to write those tickets, how to read those tickets, how to track progress, all of that. So that is something which I can ask help for because I don't have a background. And no question is a stupid question in my opinion, mm. right? Because that's what, uh, you know, we are hold ourselves to that. Uh, you know, if I ask, I may look stupid, but mm. you have to, it's a new role. It's a new company. Uh, you should take the risk of being looking stupid one time then setting yourself for um, failure
0: yeah yeah I agree I agree thank you for sharing that so tell me a little bit about um, product launches and and routes to market that you've worked on
1: sure Um, so I think at Amazon my first role was to launch Amazon devices in India Um, and I think it's part of the go-to-market strategy how do you want to uh, you know reach out to the customers because now you have a product um how do you how that product reaches the customer so there are multiple ways that amazon.in was one way where people can buy online but the others was the offline retail channel which i was responsible for and i was the way i did there was that um we did it in piecemeal basis so i mean if 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 i step back and uh, now look back at at that time With Amazon money, they could have said, you know, go ahead and do whatever is required to get the devices in hand of every individual that's out there. But I think Amazon is a very data driven company and they encourage you to test things and then go out. So my strategy was to pick, you know, retailers first. And then once these big box retailers are in, then go to distributors, then like essentially filtering out and creating a playbook. So what is the right playbook? For launching any product, you need to understand who your customer is, right? And where your customer is shopping, right? So once you do that, once you understand that, then it's easily, you can easily replicate that across different geographies. So let's say we picked up only Metro towns initially. Then once we did, metro towns we said okay this this is the playbook that we have built for here we know uh, you know in what locality what kind of customer what is the customer persona that we are serving we've developed all of that as you know as our launch plan we moved then to the second tier town okay in second tier town test with smaller you know smaller subset of stores not go everywhere and then learn from there and then move to the next so that's how it's it it was done in different stages um and the business did really well um in in you know three three and a half years I was there mm-hmm.
0: and and so tell me then during that time in in, in that that role that you're in what are the the let's say two or three things that like you you really enjoyed about it that kind of uh, yeah why you motivated so, you to do what you were doing
1: yeah so I think uh, the uh, real uh, professional satisfaction I would say I I saw there that, that as the business grew uh from like I think two million dollars in the first year to I think 100 million plus business in three years so the other thing is that e-reader market was not there in India there was no either e-reader available in India and we kind of created that market right and uh, when we when we initially we were launching we were looking at the reports from um, e and other forester like the market research agencies and they they were like that we as per their best estimate the market was around 2 million dollars right but i think with the right strategy with the right marketing with the right product we proved everything wrong. What we what was there, right? So I think that really gave me satisfaction that yes, a product was taken from you know launch to um, to uh, you know uh, from a not launch stage to a launch state and then really doing well, and that kind of paved way for other products as well, which was like Fire TV, Amazon Echo, which came afterwards. So yeah.
0: And so if somebody was considering a career path involving product launches what would you say are the um the kind of core activities that they will be getting involved in day to day like the, so again top two or three things
1: yeah so i think the first thing is doing your market research right right understand where your market is where you want to go which is your customer where do you want to launch and let's say in our case we don't know that right that's why we took uh, the approach of um doing it learning it by doing it right so that's what we did because nothing existed b- before but if you're launching a product that's already there you need to understand the mark where the market is and when I say that where the market is like who you're, who's your customer what is the total addressable market what is the addressable market that your competition has captured and what you want to what you want to target uh, what is the pricing that you want to target all of that you, you do before beforehand and then once you decide that this is where you want to go like you want to target a physical particular physical geography which kind of customers you have what kind of supply chain you would require uh, to uh, address that market so all of that is required for you when you're thinking of uh, launching a market launching a new product in the market you need to think about all those things beforehand so that once you go in you are accurate in your estimates obviously how the customers react when you go larger into the market then it's a separate ball game you know you collect customer feedback then you Change on that, and then you you know essentially, and we also did that because we I think when we launched, we found that there are a lot of non non English speakers. So our content team worked on creating uh, curating content uh, for Hindi titles and like other um, Indian titles, right? So that's what is required after the launch. But before the launch, if you are launching a product, that's already there. Study competition. Study the geography. Study the channels which you want to launch in. Uh, you want to launch online, offline. So there, there are so many things to be considered when you know uh, today if you're trying to launch the product which already exists. So you should do your homework well before before deciding to launch.
0: Yeah, and just listening to to what you said there, I think it almost sounds like. If you're somebody who's got a real passion for technology for the industry you know this is a great role to consider yeah. because it's really getting to grips really getting into the detail of understanding the markets as you say you know the competition you know the addressable markets customer habits needs and so forth okay. um yeah I love it sounds really like really really exciting and is that similar to what you're doing now in terms of uh, obviously you have a broader role now but is there an overlap there
1: um so it is partially applicable because now i'm essentially trying to figure out uh, how uh, can we um explore us market for for the startup so i'm doing uh, currently at a you know research market research stage so what i'm currently doing is i've already kind of concluded in terms of what we want to do next so what uh, what you know what essentially we are trying to do is um, identify what is the total addressable market for us, mm. um, that I've done, uh, we've found that it is roughly $3 billion overall market for us. Uh, if you look at the, uh, product space that we're in second, we have looked at where we can sell, uh, the entry to barrier is low in terms of data privacy. Like for example, California is a great state to be in, but we are not going there because, um, um, data privacy regulations uh want data to be sitting in data centers in the us so we want to go to states which are let's say florida uh atlanta which are you know which are still data regulated but they're not if it's still till, till if the if the data is sitting in north american mainland uh so they're okay so that's what i've done that i've broken down that broken down that uh, uh the market share of the total address in my market by state that this is the estimated market by state and now the conclusion is that we'll be targeting most likely florida and atlanta which are like roughly um 700 million dollar uh, target market for us so <laughs> that's what i'm doing currently
0: yeah so so i can see there the kind of transition from you created the playbook when yes. you've done this previously with a with a Fortune 500 to now go into a startup and transfer that 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 process, shall I say, the process, as well as your skills of having done that already into yeah. a smaller company, right? Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of value to be had there between the two. So I like that. And, and tell me, you've had a fair amount of international exposure. So share with me a little bit about that and, and, and how you've adapted in, in that instance.
1: Yeah. So I started my career uh, back in India, um, uh, my first role was with Nestle then I moved to Sony then Samsung and then Amazon um so these are the four uh, companies that like five fortune 500 companies I've worked with and through Amazon I moved to uh, states uh culturally it's I think there was a culture shock uh, the way things were done in India and way things are approached here um uh, especially in the North America are different and that is one thing which you know, um, uh, having that curious to learn and uh, adapting to new uh, places um, helped me that, and it has helped me thrice actually. Now I've done it India to US and US to Canada. So I think that that has really worked well for me. But yes, it, it's it's definitely someone who is move, thinking of moving internationally uh it's going to be a cultural shock in terms both and not only in terms of uh you know how do how do you drive how do you shop um it's it's going to be very different and and one very peculiar example which I think I I you know I we laugh about with my wife is like um when I went shopping initially for buying a bread uh in a supermarket store in India I would say either a white bread or a brown bread like two or three uh, you know sort categories and this is the first time me standing in front of the bread aisle and they're like at least I think if I'm not wrong 150 options to choose from and which is like uh, which which to you know it's it, it could cause you like what like why there are so many options but that's how things are uh, and then you over time you kind of adapt to that. Okay, this is how the new things are. Uh, uh, So you get acclimatized, essentially, Mm. to new new way of things. But yes, uh, if you, again, coming to the same point that if you are having a fixed mindset that this is how it was done earlier, and and this is how I have lived earlier, um, you might be in for a shock. Yeah and survival might be tough then. Uh, but if you have openness, and if you have willingness to learn, I think, irrespective of whatever place you go to, uh, you will find your way uh, to success.
0: Yeah. And, and and so tell me then, what would you say is the biggest cultural difference or differences in India, and then going to the US from a work perspective?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, back in India I think um uh, one very peculiar difference is that um in India people go for a lot of breaks during the day during their work day and uh-huh. these are chai breaks uh, wherein they go and chat about work uh, besides work a lot of this, so there's a lot of I think there's a lot of camaraderie that builds you know builds with these uh chai trips I would say right because you go out you speak to you speak to people and you speak, speak to colleagues you build a bond right uh but whereas um I think in the West or in at least in the US uh people are like uh come to work uh, go to meetings and they have few breaks only like I don't see people hanging out having you know uh water cooler chats a lot uh but uh there are there uh but not compared to what, you know, uh, uh, I I was used to in India, right? Because there it was more frequent uh, and many things get resolved, but when you go and hang out with colleagues and uh, uh, discuss uh, work matters, which, but here it's more of a uh, email culture that if you want to get things done, draft it out, send it over uh, email uh, and ask yourself, uh before setting up any meeting if meeting is really required or not right because there you're like yeah we want to set up this meeting and we want to discuss this brainstorm it but here because people are busy with their lives they want um you know their time to be utilized effectively so I think that's that's the biggest change I saw uh Mm -hmm. in the workplace
0: and it's interesting isn't it because you know we hear about the water cooler conversation it's kind of an american term right yeah. um, and i believe personally there is power in that in, yeah. in having those conversations and as you said in india where it's more informal you can actually get a lot done in those conversations and yeah. i think now obviously with the the pandemic and the impact of that and not not everyone's going back to the office i think there's a lot of that that will be lost yes um, just from from you know as simple as just building relationships to then getting things done in the workplace can potentially become more difficult because you haven't got that connection you haven't had those conversations and i know you know for myself being when i was back in in the corporate space that was a way of for me it really helped towards getting the job done and and knowing who to go to for things and having the right connections when you needed to, to accomplish something um, yeah. or just some knowledge it's like you, you can pick up all sorts of information just from that so-called water cooler conversation or yeah.
1: absolutely yeah absolutely, absolutely. yeah so those, those those are you know important but again I think pandemic has changed a lot of things in the world right mm. uh, uh, I don't think so three like two or three years ago any big company uh you know imagine that remote work is possible right right everyone has to be in office right and now while people you know companies are trying to get back to office but uh, we can see resistance everywhere because now people have uh, and having lived in big cities people have saved two hours two to three hours of office commute yeah, there's a great value add in anyone's life because office commute sucks and no one likes it <laughs> but hmm. everyone was you know everyone had to do it because uh you know you you are required in office but that's i think um that's changing so it's good
0: yeah yeah it's adapting as you said earlier isn't being open to adapt um and i i, I still think there's value to being in the office that even if it's once a week or once every couple of weeks organizing think, people to, to be in
1: yeah I think hybrid is the uh, is the real way to go mm-hmm. in my opinion because uh, it gives you the flexibility but again if when you want to build relationships in the office uh, sometimes uh, you know if people get hundreds of email it can easily get lost in your mailbox and it might you need a decision from someone and someone is not responding so that's where i think i find that uh going to someone's desk hey i've sent you this email and he quickly he or she quickly reads it we go a couple of questions back and forth done Yeah. right that could have taken a couple of days and that has taken a couple of days when it comes to um you know uh remote working mm. and you'll have to wait for other person to respond because he is dealing with his priority list and you're trying to get your work done so yeah that that becomes a challenge but i hope uh the comp most companies adapt hybrid work and i think uh should be good
0: yeah yeah i agree i definitely agree with that and so, tell me a bit about the broader transferable skills that you've acquired during your career because you worked in different industries as well. So, how has that evolved over time?
1: Uh, yes so I think if I have to you know stack rank the uh, the skills that I' have acquired, I think one is um, relationship management because my roles have been mostly partner facing roles, both inward and outward um so when i'm dealing with a you know with an account or um you know large corporations i have to deal with their ceos cfos uh, category teams um and even the store uh, people on the store front as well so the relationship management is very important right um that is where i think um that is one skill that I would say that's number one skill that that is important when you when you are in these kind of roles you need to know how to communicate uh and communication is this you know important part of that relationship management how how do you communicate with communicate with ease with a CEO CFO or a shop floor sales guy right Because if you don't know, uh, how do you communicate? uh, And you don't build those relationships with those people, it will be a it could be a challenging uh, role for for anyone. And I think second thing is stakeholder management. And, and especially true when it comes to, uh, you know, who is the right decision maker for which, whom you should go to, and what, who are the right stakeholders for, if you have to get the work done, are the right stakeholders for that right um and and that's also very uh you know important in my view because um it gives you gives you a sense of prioritization like you could try to let's say for example if you're trying to do your work and you are trying to figure out um how things to be done and many a times it happens that if you go to the right person it might your time to do that work can reduce drastically right so knowing that for what thing to uh, you know whom we should go to i think that's the another skill i would say um that i've acquired and then my most role have been like revenue generation roles right so uh in that aspect you know, knowing about business, right? How the business works, uh, how we make profit, how companies make profit. What are the profit loss statements, and how do you uh, uh, generate uh, profit or revenue through you know um, uh, mutually beneficial relationships? So that kind of leads to that because if you know if the um, relationship is not profitable for both part both the partners then it will not survive because the, you're in the business you you know it's not a personal thing it's, it's a business which you are doing uh, you have a business and the other counterpart also has a business and if it's not mutually beneficial it won't work so i think those three things i will you know consolidate had a lot of other elements as well but broadly these things are required to have a fair good understanding of for anyone to be um successful
0: yeah yeah Harpreet thank you for sharing that and let me ask you one last thing what's next for you uh
1: yeah so I'm uh, currently um helping the startup to uh, get the fund raise, uh, and probably launch their um product in the US and if I'm able to do that um uh, we are waiting for the funds so if that happens uh I think we I'll be essentially expanding their business uh to uh to the u.s market so that's 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 what i'm looking forward to right now
0: right so exciting times ahead for you then oh
1: absolutely absolutely we um we've had good uh, couple of investor meetings and uh, i hope that uh by next month we should um able to net something and if we are able to do that i think we'll be all blazing guns in the us
0: Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing that journey unfold.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Harpreet, thank you so much for joining me in conversation today. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Leela.
0: Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn and if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.